Hello anyone and everyone, I am James Sebastian, and this week on Mechanical Fail, Gabe and I finally wrap up our discussion on Zelda. We leave our frustrations with Skyward Sword behind, and instead focus on Gabe's experience with A Link Between Worlds. We had a nice talk about the game, but also delve into how it compares to a few of the other games in the series, and builds on the ideas laid out in previous entries. Of course, the other great thing is that I got to use the word postlude in the episode title. That alone makes it all worth it. I hope you enjoy the episode. Right. Alright, well, so let's talk about that. Because you were playing A Link Between Worlds instead. Right. Well, I started playing A Link to the Past because I wanted to play A Link Between Worlds. Right. And I knew that they were really linked. Um, so I just played a bunch of Link to the Past beat the first three dungeons, went to the Dark World, started doing one of the first dungeons, just was having a really fucking rough time, and just... That's really interesting to me, that you found it difficult. I mean, you just get... Maybe... And I, and I found this out in A Link Between Worlds, like... In that game, you can do the dungeons out of order, which I don't think you can do in A Link no, to the Past. No, you can't. So, but the thing was that I got... I got the... I got the item that gives you, uh, or the tunic that you take half damage. I got it near the very end, um, which I'm not now thinking about it. I'm not sure if that's if that's actually the case or not. Like, I think you can get that fairly early. I think you can get early. So if that's the case, then that would actually make the game much easier. Because I I had a similar problem in A Link Between Worlds where I was actually like having struggling for a few dungeons. Mm-hmm. Some of them were actually really easy, and then some of them were, like, really, really rough. And that was great. Like, I hadn't felt like I'd played, like, an actual hard, fair Zelda game in a long time, and that felt like that, which is part of the reason why I really liked A Link Between Worlds. So I felt like, playing A Link Between Worlds, I saw a lot of the parallels with A Link to the Past, obviously, even though I didn't finish it, but, you know, I, I felt like it was also pretty difficult, not as difficult as A Link to the Past. And I think that the big thing is mostly just the mechanics and, like, the hitboxes are just kind of weird for me because mm-hmm. i'm not i hadn't played the older zelda games before i haven't played any 2d zelda games before the oracle games okay <clears throat> um so at least for me the mechanics just felt kind of weird where i have to be aiming at enemies at the exact right angle to hit them like if i'm you know fighting some guys with shields or something or with a weapon um and it always felt like i was just just slightly off or messing up or whatever um and when they're hitting you for you know three four hearts that that sucks it just makes it very painful sure so yeah i don't know for some reason a link between worlds just clicked for me and i like just tore through it in a week which i hadn't done in a while for well for zelda games because i hadn't played a good zelda game in a while yeah i mean i think one of the things i liked about that game um aside from the dungeons being you know more or less um playable out of order i mean i don't Mm. think there's any kind of I mean, no. there's, there's a you know there's the introduction part of the game that you have to do right. But once you're free of that, I think you can pretty much do anything. I'm pretty sure you can do them completely out of order. Yeah, but you know they they allow you to do that because you can just buy items or rent them. Yeah, and I think that was a really interesting idea. And actually, well, it gave some actual meaning back to rupees finally. Yeah, definitely in that game, I cared about rupees a lot, and I, I did like that feeling. The the part that got to me was the again you 
the feeling of like you don't have to quest for items or you don't have to quest for upgrades, which is kind of a sad loss. But I think they did a really good job with rupees having meaning, and you got a lot of them. Yes, because you needed a fuck ton of them. Yeah, um, yeah, you do. But then you would open, a especially if you buy the items. Oh yeah, and I did. I got all the items in the end. Yeah, but I would open a chest and be like, "Oh sweet, hundred rupees, good. I'm yeah. saving up." Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Uh, I wonder really what gave them the impetus to to put that system in place because it so defied yeah. the formula uh, from a link to the past. Or, I mean, any other Zelda game. That was the one that really solidified it. Yeah. I mean, Zelda 2 is really linear also, but uh, it's way more esoteric, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, A Link Between... I mean, A Link to the Past really solidified, like, okay, you get this item, then you can go here, then you get this right. item, then you can go the, here. The real Zelda formula. Yeah. <clears throat> it cemented it. And I think for a lot of Zelda players, it's like the cornerstone of yeah. their Zelda experience, because... Yeah, a lot of people played the original, but more people, I think, played... I mean, it's it's be- pretty much between A Link to the Past and Ocarina of Time yeah. for most people. Yeah. Um, but it was interesting. I mean, it, it was... I don't know. A Link Between Worlds was interesting because its story was kind of bizarre. It was, it was definitely more in the um, side story type yeah. realm, which the handheld games traditionally are. Mm-hmm. Um, but also kind of a mainline game in a lot of ways, too. It had kind of tropes from both. Right, and I think that's, again, kind of because of its ties to A Link to the Past. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a really it fits this weird space, but it feels really great. Like, I think they knocked it out of the park with that. Like, yeah. It, it feels like a real Zelda game. It does a lot of kind of niche, kind of weird things, but, like, it's really fun to play, and it's hard, like, at times. The, the fucking Ice Dungeon, oh my god, that... That was beating me to the ground. I didn't have the, the upgraded tunic, so like I was taking. Oh. There was like one enemy, and I'm on like the icy floor, sl- sliding around, and it's just one of the enemies that like bounces off the walls and keeps going. And he takes a f- or it takes a few hits to kill, but every time it would hit me, it would hit me for three hearts of damage, mm. and I only had like twelve hearts. Right. So I'm legitimately like terrified of this thing <laughs> because it is destroying me. Yeah, because I would like be sliding and miss a swing, and then it would hit me. Oh my god! And I just kept going back to the fairy pool and like stocking up. Right. Yeah, I I had a lot of fun with it. I think the dark dungeon may have been my favorite though, just because it played a lot with the light and dark balance and the um, the the use of. um, I think a link to the past had a bit of it, but they took the use of like verticality in the levels to this huge degree and like yes they did a such a good job with it it's amazing how like you actually go up and down between the the floors and like well especially the ice level that's just a giant tower right like yeah. you actually have to fall down you know several stories sometimes or like go take an elevator to go back up yeah and i, I love the introduction to that dungeon like it, it sticks out of my mind because i spent so much time like struggling because it was i was dying to things but also because it was kind of a maze and a puzzle like Oh, you ha- you go in and you immediately have these elevators that show you the entire height of the tower. Right. But now you have to go in and start unlocking all the side rooms and all the all the corridors around to you- to slowly like morph the dungeon such that you can get to the very bottom. Like the level design is fucking amazing. It's really good. I I mean, 
I think uh, Links of the Past would have done more with verticality had the game been 3D. I mean, yeah, you know, it's they a were limited. Limitation. They were limited, obviously, by the fact that it's a 2D game, so it's height isn't actually a thing. It's just uh, it's faked. Yeah, I mean, they did a good job simulating it. It's convincing and for they, what it needs. They to really do. did, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, they were limited in what they could actually do. Uh, I think the the coolest thing they do, which is also kind of an annoying thing they do, is uh, when you fight uh, the worm. Go, I can't remember what it's called. Wait, the the worm or the the big like, um, the big worm that you got to hit in the tail. And yeah. So he can knock you off. The, yeah, yeah. The, the platform, right? That's really a cool thing that none of the other Zeldas could do. Well. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I guess Zelda 2 could have done it because it was side-scrolling in the combat sections. But, um, you know, it introduced the idea that, you, that you're on multiple levels. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I mean, you have to fall down to get the uh, the moon pendant. Yes. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, obviously it's not real. You're just moving to a different like section of the screen that's all on the same plane. But you don't know that. And it doesn't feel like that when you play it. Right. And they do a great job with it. Yeah. But because uh, A Link Between Worlds is actually 3D. Yeah. I mean, they take that and they just, like, yeah. amplify it greatly. They actually got to do something with it. Because, like, the, the Fire Temple, you know, the <clears throat> you actually have each... There's only two main rooms, but they're actually both, like, have two levels to each room. Yeah. Right? So you can actually be on the upper side or the lower side. or, or Actually, there's, like, actual more than just, like, two levels because you can be on platforms that are in middle levels as well so it's completely 3d just from a top-down view and yeah. it's it's really impressive because it adds this like this amount of reasoning that you have to do like oh wait i have to be able to move to this part of the level so that i can morph into the wall and you know run around and get to the other side and then get off and i'm on the platform that i wanted to get to mm-hmm. and then i can do this other part to to end up to the part of the, like traversing the level takes effort it's yes. not just, oh, let me jump over there. Yeah. You you actually have to think about how how you can move as Link in the world with your abilities. Which yeah. Which is really cool. I mean, the idea of making him 2D in the 3D environment changed really how you just viewed space. Yeah. You know, like being able to slip between uh, like jail bars, mm-hmm. right, to go around a wall that you can't traverse otherwise. It's a really interesting concept where the world's 3D, but you have to think of yourself in 2D at times. Um, For me, like, I really love the the parts where you need to span, you know, maybe a large gap and you can just go into the wall and just go across. Yeah. And then you get back out and you're on the other side of the wall. Or when you, um, when you're on, I think when you first get it, you're, you just, uh, go on the outside of the tower Right, and so you go. You're to leave the the dungeon. You go on around the outside of the tower, which is so cool. Yeah, and I hadn't seen that before. There's a lot of that. I mean, there, there's a lot of like height things that you can't really do. Right, so there'll be two blocks that kind of go next to each other, and you and you can't get on top of them. So you have to mm-hmm. you have to turn into your painting form, kind of wiggle around the room. Yeah, sit on a block, and then the block moves around a space that you can't get around otherwise, and then slide over to another block 
and then it'll take you over to another platform that you can then come out of the painting version yeah. of yourself and then back into the regular world. Um, and it's funny because the, the magic meter mechanic, I don't know if it was actually magic. I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. But um, ha- having having the amount of time you could be in your painting form, be dependent on that magic meter was great because like, it's like the stamina meter, right? I'm, I'm almost thinking... Strat- That's the- basically... It's like Shadow of the Colossus. You're you're holding onto that wall, waiting for a moving platform or something. Yeah. And you have to you have to sit sit down and think about how you're actually going to traverse the environment such that you don't run out of energy, run out of stamina, while doing it. Yeah, I mean it basically functions as a stamina meter. So in in uh, a link to the past, you have really, you actually have a magic meter. It's a separate right that you refill thing that you can refill with magic potion. That's all it does. Yeah. It it governs your uh fire rod and a couple other things. Yeah. Um but yeah, a link between worlds you get the opportunity to just use magic as stamina. So if you stop well, using like, it for a while, it will refill automatically. So all the items that you use require magic. Yeah. Um so it's kind of like a one size fits all solution and i think it works but it, pretty it, well it's really elegant i would argue because it's very simple and all the items use it so like right you know you you, you have this one system right and you might be spamming arrows and you want to run away and now you can't morph into the wall because you've used too many arrows well and what's nice about it too is like you don't have to go searching for a particular item in the dungeon anymore right yeah you used to have to go and pick up a bunch of pots and hope that you got mm-hmm. arrows or hope that you got bombs this solves that problem. Yeah, you can get magic potion bottles, which refill your magic faster, or basically instantly, rather than having to wait. But if you just wait long enough, and it's not that long of a wait, yeah. it will refill on its own as well. So it takes out all of the uh, trappings of like putting a player in a position where they can't progress because they don't have the item they need. Yeah. Um, and that's good for a game that lets you tackle dungeons in uh, whatever order you want and oh, yeah. and doesn't require you to have all of the items available or any specific items. I think they did a really good job with that. Like, all the areas that require one item will be labeled as such and usually have some small challenge that has to be overcome by using that item before yeah. you can even enter the area. Right. Yeah, I mean, there are definitely dungeons that require a specific item. But the game doesn't dictate that you have any item on you at all times. Yeah. Um, nor does it really require you to build on item use in any particular way. No, not really. Yeah, but, I mean, it's great. And then, you know, mo- after that point, once you have that one item that's required for a dungeon, anything else you have you can just kind of use for fun or, like, right. to help you through the dungeon. So I ended up loving using the the ice rod because it's... I love I love that they actually changed it instead of just you know shooting ice out, it actually shoots a giant ice block down yeah. on enemies again using like the the three D, which is super cool because there would be parts where you're you're underneath an enemy who might be on a level above you and you're just hitting them with the ice and you can kill them that way. Yep. And like sure it might be cheap but it's actually just a lot of fun for me. Yeah, I mean, finding cheap ways to kill enemies didn't feel. Like you were circumventing something that didn't work. Yeah. You were just finding more creative ways to do to right. accomplish the same thing. That's always how it felt. Like It's like they designed it that way. Like the, the designers knew that you could do that. And it just feels fun and creative. Yeah. Speaking of which, I love their, um, their collect-a-thon in that game. 
mm-hmm. with the little the little shit. I forget their names, but the little uh, snails mm-hmm. that you have to collect. They're yep. they're adorable. They're all over the place. They're not that hard to find, and you get awesome upgrades for getting them. Like you get something extremely tangible that actually means something. Mm-hmm. What Zelda game has that? <laughs> <laughs> that that you know you, you go and you collect a hundred gold skulltulas and you get a bigger wallet, a, a bigger wallet, which is useful, I guess. But it's I would much for like rather, two things. I would much rather get the long shot for getting skulltulas. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So I mean, uh, th- this I guess kind of goes into the whole: you did a quest and you got something. So you know, I'm I'm collecting these guys. But you get, and I, and I usually do it just because I like to feel like I'm actually completing the game. And I didn't get all of them, but I got most of them to the point that I upgraded pretty much every item I owned. Mm-hmm. And it was totally worth it because the items just get so strong and so awesome. I'm trying to remember if I upgraded. I must have upgraded a few of them. <laughs> I didn't make it a goal of mine yeah. to purposefully do it. I'm sure I did it just kind of out of happenstance. But, uh, yeah, it's an interesting... I mean, so novel, right? Rewarding a player for doing something <laughs> properly. <clears throat> Seems like it's... It's more like you're actually getting useful rewards. Yeah. Like, that. that is... I think the idea... I like the idea of having the key items not necessarily be in the dungeons. Yes. Maybe not necessarily having to buy them. Like, that, that works for A Link Between Worlds. I don't think I necessarily want to see it in other Zelda games. Sure. I would love to see them explore, like you getting key items and then using it in a dungeon to solve the dungeon. Like, that's actually really fun. The As only trick to is you it have halfway to... through. Yeah. I would say the only trick with that is you... It's hard to do that well because a player has to be familiar enough with the item to realize it can be used for something. And the big risk uh, by not associating the items well is that players won't even think to do it. Well, I mean, the... I mean, that's a concern I can imagine. Some, yeah, you know. yeah. I mean, I'm sure it, it is a pretty clever design that you get the item in the dungeon you need to use it in. But I, but A Link Between Worlds did a good job of just saying, hey, you can't even get in here unless if you use the item in the way that it True. needs to be used. And, you know, just like in any Metroid game, you can immediately show them how to use the items to leave the room. And yeah. I mean, mo- lots of Zelda games do this. Like That's true. Wind Waker and Twilight Princess, you have to use the boomerang to get you out of the room that you are in. Or Ocarina of Time, you have to use the slingshot to get out of the room that you got the slingshot in. Like, Yeah, I mean, in the Metroid games, <laughs> are labeled pretty clearly that you need something. Yeah. Um, and same thing with The Link Between Worlds. It's labeled I mean, those are explicitly well. labeled, yeah. Yeah. But that's my point. Like, you, there are ways to work around it. Yeah. I'm just kind of... I think the Zelda formula is getting a little tired in that they've done a ton of iterations sure and they are deviating and that's great and all i think skyward sword was not a good way to deviate (laughs) i'm hoping breath of the wild is more interesting i don't know yeah it's really hard to say right we haven't really all the stuff i've seen from the game the world looks really empty so i don't know what you're supposed to do in it I wonder as well. I mean, I've seen a lot of kind of events or, you know, running around fighting uh, camps of mobs, kind of like in Wind Waker where there were those, like, mm-hmm. camps of enemies. Right. Um, but I do wonder what, what you do. I, I can see it just being there are dungeons in the world and maybe you collect items or unlock, 
unlock parts of the world that that sounds very very appealing i hope that's what it is <laughs> yeah i mean i wonder if it has it seems to have a little bit of minecraft in it in the sense of there looked like there was a lot of stuff to find and it has to get or you can put it to use yeah um yeah there's a lot of random items in the environment yeah the the cooking's a bit weird i don't I don't know if I really care for games that have a gimmicky cooking system. Maybe they'll make it useful, but I feel like most games with a cooking system is just kind of a gimmick. Um, yeah, I mean... They, so I'm playing Dragon Quest Builders right now. Oh, yeah. Which is uh, really adorable. <laughs> That's, that would be the first word I would use to describe, but it's one of the most... sum it up in one word. It's one of the most adorable games I've ever seen. But um, you can cook food. Um, it doesn't really... You don't have to. There, You have a hunger meter, right? And it'll slowly deplete over time, and you, but you can just eat raw fruit, food. like raw food. Yeah. Like you don't need to cook. Like real people, you have to like <laughs> you have to to progress the story a little bit. But once you do that, it's like not a requirement really. It, the, the reason you do it is because building a kitchen increases your. Uh, so you have like a town that you're trying to rebuild, yeah, and it increases your ex- like town points, right, by building it. So you have incentives to build it only in in the sense that you can make your town make better, more town. But actually, using it to cook food is not really that helpful because you can carry a heck of a lot of fruit with you <laughs> at any time. But see, that that's kind of my point. I feel like most games that have crafting of a meal or like just cooking in general, yeah. They, they don't really need it, right? And and I I would just fucking remove it if there's a if there's a mechanic in a game that is meh, like kind of like it can be useful, but it's mostly not that useful. Like I would just I would either try to find a way to make it better and make it actually useful and like have players engage with it, or I would just say fucking get rid of it. It's pointless. It's just adding in yeah something needless to the game. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if Hunger is going to play some kind of role in that game more heavily. If it does, I, I hope not. don't think that's going to lend itself to a great experience. Yeah. I mean, that's a classic RPG trope, right? Hunger, like a lot of the old... Oh, yeah. So... Dungeon Crawlers and... Well, and Barony, which is the modern iteration of those games, has a Hunger yeah. feature. Like, you have to have food... And if you don't, you slow it down. Eventually, you basically can't move anymore, hmm. and you die. <laughs> um, it's not super punishing, but you definitely have to find food mm-hmm. often enough to keep yourself alive, or you will really run into problems. Um, because that game is just going deeper and deeper into a dungeon, it doesn't seem like a huge burden. Right. But if you're running around a huge environment... It just feels tedious. It seems like it would, yeah. It could very easily become just a big chore. That's not like really in worth like doing. in Minecraft survival mode. I think it makes sense. But when, sure. But once you're like, at least in my opinion, once you've got all these huge cities set up and you're just running around the world and doing crazy shit, it's like, why do I have to eat to survive? Well, that's why the creative mode exists, right? Yeah, I guess. Or like adventure maps are good for that. Yeah. But that's my point. Like. You're just exploring this beautiful world. You're, if you add a mechanic like that, I don't. That doesn't add anything to the to Zelda. No, I like don't that, think it that, does that. It works for other types of games, but that that just adds a burden that the player doesn't want for not adding any interesting gameplay. Yeah, I mean, it, eating should be like 
a core design in some aspect, right? Mm-hmm. The core experience should be built around it if it's going right. to be in there. And Definitely. in Zelda, it just won't be. Yeah. Well, that and that's why the scene, the scenes I've seen him, I've seen Link cooking food and eating it. As far as I can tell, it gives him like a small temporary buff to the number of hearts or something. Maybe they have other buffs. But, I mean, Zelda games don't really need buffs. They're about finding items and finding new challenges and finding new parts of the world. And, and being skillful. Yeah. At the combat. And well, so, that's what these be about. <laughs> so I'm worried that they're going to make it very, very RPG-ish. Yeah. Like, oh, find some items over here. Go on this fetch quest, do this thing. I don't know. We'll see. I I'm I have tentative hopes, but we all know how that went with Skyward Sword last time. Yeah, I mean they've made good in the meantime with a link between worlds. So I'm hoping that someone somewhere that worked on that game is whispering into someone's ear on <laughs> a breath be- or a. Uh, Breath of the Wilds. I really hope so. Well, and it matters a lot for Nintendo because if they don't get it right and it's a repeat of Skyward Sword, it's not going to do well. Yeah. I don't think. Yeah, that's true. Or at least not well enough, right? I don't... I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I have more faith in in people's buying conscience. (laughs) But I worry that they will finally have a Zelda game that really does not do well. I mean, not not that Majora's Mask did super great either when it came out. Yeah, I, um, honestly, I would They've be, had duds in the series, honestly. I, I would be surprised. I think a Breath of the Wild is going to sell well. I'm I th- sure I think it's captivated enough people out there. It's going to sell very well. I just mostly worry about the staying power of the mainline Zelda games, because Skyward Sword, to me, was such such a black mark in the main line and if there was another black mark like that i don't know i might just give up on mainline zelda so that was our zelda conversation we covered a lot there and i think we were able to get to the heart of what makes zelda games and games made in that image so unique and interesting and of course then we ventured into some good old-fashioned speculation which was also fun I hope you enjoyed the episode, and as always, thanks for listening.